Thank you. And um, I think this idea of reinvolving uh, Gazprom will go very well with solutions that uh, Walter is offering in his presentation. So good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try to also catch up a few minutes, like my previous speaker, uh, <clears throat> that have been accumulated over the whole day, I think, and talk as far as possible uh, in a couple of minutes about the role of Ukraine uh, within the uh, sort of important transit route for the EU internal energy market and about possibilities to uh, move forward some of the integration uh, trends. Now, one thing is clear, Ukraine is a very important part uh, of the energy flows into Europe uh, and uh, the political developments of the last uh, year has uh, sort of shown that we really have to work together to bring the EU and Ukraine together uh, more closely than uh, what has happened bef uh, in the past. There are nonetheless significant challenges ahead. Uh, I think one is a more technical one, integrating into a network. Some issues have been raised, and uh, I think this is not something that can be done quickly, but I think we are already moving in the right direction and having more technical integration possibilities, overcoming some of the legal challenges that are existing at the moment. I think a very important part is that uh, in Ukraine, energy prices have to be brought to a level that somehow reflects costs, not in one step, but that somehow reflects cost and there is no major cross-subsidy between uh, various sort of government pots and I think that's, that is a challenge and in a number of countries this has happened over the last 15-20 years. It's a, a slow and painful process but very, very important because otherwise the next point which means increasing efficiency cannot be achieved. If energy is basically free or very cheap, uh, who would uh, be interested in efficiency? Nobody. Uh, and Ukraine is one of the least energy-efficient countries uh, on the continent and therefore has a huge potential for improving efficiency and saving imports. Uh, and, of course, one way of you know, achieving a, uh, a slow improvement in the energy sector is basically the stepwise implementation of the EU uh, energy acquis. Uh, I think Ukraine has taken some important steps, but more needs to be done. Uh, and then, of course, what is quite important, there has to be a, some sort of uh, agreement and common understanding with Russia uh, because uh, Ukraine will remain a big importer and also very likely a, a country for significant gas transit for the foreseeable future, uh, at least for the next, let's say, 10 years. Uh, anything beyond that is probably premature to make predictions. What happens in 25 years is probably beyond a, a realistic projection, but I think there is a need for having some sort of common understanding with Russia, irrespective of how good or bad the, the relations are in the short run. In the medium term, it's beneficial to both to all three parties, Ukraine, Russia, and the EU, that uh, an accommodation is found. And then, of course, on electricity, we have the technical integration that's not so easily uh, separated, uh, because Ukraine is part of the Russian electricity network. 
Now, <clears throat> uh, due to the time constraint, I'll just focus on a few slides. Some things have been said before. There are numerous EU initiatives uh, aiming at bringing Ukraine and Europe closer together. Uh, they are at various stages. The energy community membership is being part of that. Ukraine is uh, part of the Eastern Partnership. And there are other initiatives uh, which are all sort of good ideas and, and have, I think, some uh, potential uh, benefit. I think what we need to do is we need to make sure, and that we means the EU and the Ukraine, that <clears throat> more and more is actually delivered uh, because some of those agreements are basically paperware uh, and not so much <clears throat> concrete implementation. And I think really looking at the practical uh, aspects, the practical implementations uh, will help. And if Ukraine is in the long, long run looking towards some close association with the EU and commercial terms, maybe in you know, many years in the future also membership, <clears throat> I think the sooner major parts of the acquis are implemented and in practice implemented, I think the better. Uh, <clears throat> what we have managed in 2014 is to uh, allow and manage a certain volume of import of gas from the West, from Europe, into Ukraine. Uh, it wasn't easy, and this issue of the transit or the control of the transit flows and reverse flow capacities on the Slovak-Ukrainian uh, border in Velky Kapushani is one challenge. There are also other challenges. Uh, the Ukrainian transport system has been built to deliver, uh, with some time delay, uh, to gas to Europe, uh, corresponding to the seasonal need of Europe, but with an input into the system at a relatively constant level over all of the year. So basically, gas flows at a quite constant level into Ukraine, is stored there partially, and in winter, when the demand in Europe is higher, more is exported from Ukraine to Europe than imported into Ukraine from Russia for two or three months. Now, this was part of the old Soviet transportation system, and to sort of take that apart and say, okay, how much is transport, how much is storage, uh, how much of the revenue of the Ukrainian transport system goes into storage, into transport, uh, was a big challenge in 2009 and subsequently, and has been the cause of many disputes on top of the more political uh, strains. Also sorting out those different types of services being provided by the Ukrainian transport system for Russia and Europe was not so easy. But we have managed a certain amount of import, uh, from Europe through Slovakia, Poland, Hungary uh, into Ukraine and there is a big potential uh, to increase that. Practically, Ukraine could import all its gas needs from Europe. So that there are no technical restrictions right now. There are only contractual restrictions uh, and the necessary investments on the technical side would be quite limited. We need to work on removing some of the legal obstacles. Uh, <clears throat> the prices is a big issue in, like in many of the former uh, Soviet Union uh, countries, prices for energy has been kept at a very low level as a measure of social policy. And what is necessary and what has been achieved in, I don't know, the Czech Republic and Hungary and so on, is to separate that, have a proper social security system for the pr truly poor people and raise prices to a level somewhat reflective of cost. Uh, it takes a few years to do that, uh, but it is possible and it has the added benefit of making people more conscious of energy needs uh, and the, the value of energy and helps them to start saving energy and behave more efficiently. Uh, 
there is a huge potential. I mean, if uh, Ukraine would be as efficient as Europe, there would be no need for Russian gas imports. So this is not a tiny little bit. This is basically a massive potential that's there. If Ukraine would only be as efficient as Romania was when it joined the EU many years ago, uh, I think something like 30 BCM would not be needed. Uh, <clears throat> so we are talking about a huge potential for uh, energy efficiency and basically saving money, foreign currency, hard currency, um, by uh, reducing consumption. Now, we all know in Europe that efficiency improvements are a pretty hard nut to crack. We have tried many measures in Europe, and the progress is rather slow. But when you have a highly inefficient system, probably in the first instance, more can be done. Uh, <clears throat> now, complying with EU legislation is challenging, and I think we have to have some sympathy with Ukraine because we see that many EU countries, some members since many years, also found it very challenging to implement the third package. Not for uh, sort of fun, the Commission is running, I don't know, 16 or 17 infringement cases against EU members for non-implementation of the uh, energy key, the third package. <clears throat> so I think a little patience uh, and, you know, some time, some assistance is necessary it is a very massive change in the whole setup of an energy sector and also in the kind of the political framework. Basically, the third package takes away most of the powers from government. And that's hard to swallow for the government. Uh, it puts most of the powers to EU bodies and to the regulator and some to the TSO. And the government is really reduced to a number of limited responsibilities in energy, very challenging for most governments. Uh, and takes a while to accept that this is the way to go for good reasons. Uh, <clears throat> now, I think when talking about the relations with Russia, one has to be aware that Russian gas will be the cheapest source of gas for Europe for probably the next 15 years at least. Uh, given the already uh, sunk investment cost in transportation and uh, production, nobody will be able to deliver gas cheaper to Europe uh, than Russia. Norway has the offshore fields, which are much more capital intensive uh, than anything. North Africa, we all know the political problems. Shale gas in Europe <clears throat> is challenging and will be also very capital intensive. So the cheapest source of gas is Russia. What we do need, and I think that applies to Ukraine just as Europe, we need to assure there's optionality. We need to assure that every country, every region, has the option of buying Russian gas and will probably happily buy it because it's cheap, but it has other options as well, uh, buying gas from somewhere else. If, for whatever reason, it's either too expensive or there are too many political conditions applied to uh, the uh, supply of gas. And the same, I think, should be of, uh, <clears throat> of Ukraine. And I think if we are able to unlock the reverse flow capacity and have some limited improvements in gas transportation in Europe, I think Ukraine could very easily uh, also have the option of buying a significant part of the gas in Europe, from Northern Europe, Southern Europe, from North Africa, as an alternative to Russian gas. And I think then, uh, from a purely commercial point of, uh, of view, probably a lot of gas will come from Russia, because once there is optionality, prices drop. I mean, you have seen uh, the pipeline situation. Maybe at the very end, a few words about electricity. I think making Ukraine independent of the Russian electricity sector is probably even more difficult than on the gas side. 
the integration of Ukraine into the Western European grid would require significant investments in Ukraine because the tolerance levels in the electricity system are much narrower in Europe than in Russia. Uh, so I think it's not very likely to be an economically viable project. Uh, so I think it's safe to assume that for many years to come, Ukraine will be in the sort of Russian control block uh, because any alternative would either reduce security of supply, basically cutting off Ukraine from Russia and Europe on the electricity side, <clears throat> or require very heavy investments in generation, which are probably not worth uh, doing because the benefit is rather marginal uh, compared with the cost that it would take. So in summary, I think uh, we have seen positive developments in uh, sort of from the energy perspective. Uh, and I think from at, at the current point in time, I would think that Ukraine will carry uh, maybe a shrinking, but still a significant part of Russian uh, gas uh, shipments to Europe through Ukraine for at least another five to 10 years. Although Russia is very much focused on uh, circum, uh, sort of going around Ukraine in transport, but I don't think they will manage in the next, let's say, seven to eight years. I mean, anything after 10, 12 years is hard to predict. Uh, and I think we uh, have to work together to improve the Ukrainian situation, improve the interconnection with Europe, uh, and also find some accommodation with Russia, uh, because it is in the commercial interest of all parties involved here uh, to do so. Thank you very much.